From Relay FM, this is Download, recorded Wednesday, June 26, 2019. This is episode 108. Keep watching the headlines. back to Download, where we cover the most interesting technology stories of the week. I'm Jason Snell, and I'm joined by somebody you might know, you might recognize. It's Stephen Hackett. Hello. Hello, Jason. Uh, welcome. Welcome. Uh, you you some, you were here par, part of the time, and then you got kicked out last time. I think that's yes, how that works. Yes, and then I was brought back, which yes. frankly is a little rude. I mean, after you cut somebody loose... But you, just, but you get that cool, uh, you got that cool sound effect when you came I did. and went. So. It took me several days to physically and sort of like emotionally recover, but now we're back. Okay. And yeah. it's, it's just us this week. It's just the whole us. Time. It's just us. So we might as well get to it. Uh, top stories of the week. I, I think the big story this week, really, uh, if you look at the news, partially because there's not a lot going on and partially because... Uh, I was on the tech meme leaderboard for a while, which was great, uh, is uh, Apple released its public betas of uh, macOS Catalina, iOS 13, iPadOS 13, all the all the public betas, all the great betas. And uh, it's a little surprising. Uh, three weeks, three weeks after WWDC, it is essentially the second, my understanding, the second developer beta. And they just said, hey, everybody in the public, come and get it. Uh, and there's a lot of interesting features in here. You know, we've kind of detailed them. In, in, we went over a lot of them in our discussion at WWDC with John and Shelley. Um, but, you know, it, it does seem kind of early. Like, what do you think Apple's rationale is in going so early with these public betas, especially since they said July? They didn't promise anything in June. Yeah, I don't know. I've been thinking about that all week because it is early. Usually the public beta is like dev beta three or maybe even four. Maybe they thought they were in a state that the public get their hands on it. I disagree with that. They're they're pretty rough, especially uh, Catalina. But, you know, at the same time, maybe it's the fact that there's so much new, especially on the Mac and the iPad, that they want people to be uh, getting their hands on it. And while developers are, you know, registered developers have had access to the developer betas since WWDC, having a public beta, I think, sort of puts the pressure on those developers to, hey, it's really time for you to start looking at this. And uh, and I think there's a lot of excitement around, especially iPad OS. So maybe all that, you know, maybe it's not a big reason. Maybe it's a bunch of Little reasons, or you know, maybe the person in charge of the public beta website was going on vacation next week. Oh. Said, "Oh well, I got to do it before I get done." And now we all live in that reality. Yeah, I just I'm a little concerned because I, I guess this is the question: is uh, whose responsibility is it? Like, is is if Apple drops a uh, very weird, buggy early developer beta and releases it to the public, which the developer beta already is a release to the public, right? P- sure. Anybody can pay $99 and get the developer beta. Yeah. And lots, I mean, and the developers, that's a huge audience, right? I mean, it's thousands of people. But I guess the argument would be if Apple makes it available, are they putting at least a little bit of a stamp on it saying, no, no, go ahead. Um, and it's funny because this is literally the same beta that was said for uh, developers to be uh, you know, not for the people who just want to have a thrill, you know, are thrill mm-hmm. seekers, I think they said. And yet they turn it out to the public. And like, I, I guess that's my question is, does App- Apple have a responsibility to make public betas at least somewhat sort of certify them as as safe? Because I, I feel like 
all of us who write about this stuff are even more energetically than usual giving one of those kind of like waving the arms and saying, hey, mm-hmm. uh, don't do this. Don't use this. This is not ready for public consumption. Do this on a separate partition or on an old iPhone or whatever you want to do because it uh, it is messy and most people, you know, I, I and so much of the benefit is going to come from the software that's written to it, which won't be, you know, you don't get that. You don't get third-party app updates for your favorite apps now, though there won't even be ready until September. Yeah, I've thought a lot about that. You know, if uh, a person who's going to install a public beta, they are at least aware of the fact that it could be risky. But I think a lot of people just get excited and want to see it, and then they you know run into issues. And, and it, an example of this in my mind is the App Store review policy that changed a couple of years ago. That if you are running an iOS review. Uh, beta, excuse me, you cannot leave a review in the App Store. <laughs> right. Which, uh, you know, I mean, I have it on my, I'm running iPad OS on my iPad Pro, and I've got a couple apps that basically crash at launch or crash, you know, on a pretty regular basis. And I know, as someone who is steeped in the stuff, that that's not the developer's fault. I mean, no, they, 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 they literally didn't know until three weeks ago that this right. thing existed. And if you build against iOS 13 or, or try to include fixes for iOS 13, that can be sort of tricky getting through app review, and you may not be able to do it because it causes trouble for iOS 12, where you know 98% of their customers are. So I I don't uh, envy that that frustration on the part of third party developers. But Apple saw what was going on in the App Store, people leaving bad reviews, like oh it crashes on the beta, and Apple I think sort of took responsibility for that. And said look, you're not going to be able to leave re- these reviews because you have decided to put beta software on your device. And uh, so I don't know really where that line is, but this year I feel very acutely that that's something worth discussing because like, especially the last couple of years, like iOS 12 in particular, that beta was pretty smooth because that OS didn't have a lot of under the hood changes like iOS 13 and especially Catalina have. This feels like a bigger delta between the previous OS and this one. And that means more bugs in the beginning. So and we'll see how it pans out. I would expect that we will see developer beta 3 and public beta 2 uh, probably next week. And hopefully it's smoother sailing from here on out. Yeah, that would be good. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes they, what they'll do is they'll release the developer beta and wait to see if there are any major show-stopping issues. And then that version the next week becomes a public beta. Yeah. Or, or even a couple bad. days later on occasion. Yeah. They, they have tinkered with that timing over the years. And, uh, and you know, I, I wait for the public beta because... The developer beta, you know, they can be rougher. And, and there have been times in the past where the public beta is like every other developer release. I mean, right. Apple has tweaked this endlessly. And uh, so I kind of do the public beta in my mind. Maybe I think that's a little bit more stable. But, of course, that, that may or may not be true. But, yeah, I think at this point, if you're looking at that public beta page, I'd, I'd maybe wait to the next one and see how that feels. Because I'm telling you right now, it is – this is not something you want on your carry phone right now. Yeah, you. So you installed macOS Catalina on uh-huh. somewhere, something external drive. Yeah. So I had it on a 12 inch MacBook, the first generation 12 inch MacBook, and I sort of gave up on that. That machine is slow, and with a beta macOS on it, was really struggling. And so I moved it to my uh, to an external SSD, and I'm booting my. 15-inch MacBook Pro from it and uh, doing that. And then my iPad Pro, uh, just yesterday I put the iPad OS public beta on it. And I really like the features. I think there, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in iPad OS. 
but it's uh, pretty rough around the edges. Yeah. Yeah. Anything strike you? Anything that you liked what you saw when you got a chance to poke around? Um, I mean, you know, especially with the multitasking stuff, because it is just limited to Apple's apps because they're the ones that have been blessed with this so far. It's really you can already see how powerful it's going to be to have an app have multiple instances or, or, you know, multiple copies of itself running. And uh, so that's pretty neat. I'm still trying to wrap my head around of like, okay, I have like notes open in four different places and where's the one that I want. And that I think will just take some time getting used to. I, I think it's a very powerful system they've built. I don't know how intuitive all of it is, but I think we will kind of figure it out with, with time. But I, I'm immediately impressed with Safari. The first thing I did was go to my my local bank their website just doesn't work on ios safari in the past and they have like a really bad iphone app it's not full screen on the iphone 10 and it's kind of kind of janky and old and the first thing i did was i loaded that website up in safari on ipad os and it all just worked just the way they said it would uh and that really impressed me that all of a sudden the browser it feels like a real browser now and not sort of what we've been used to on the iPad where the iPad gets you know, the iPad is kind of in no man's land with browsers in the past because it's running a mobile browser and so some websites treat it as such but it's such a big canvas especially the new ones the the 11 and the 12.9 so you're stuck in this limbo of like this wants to be a real browser I have the screen real estate but the power is not just there I think they've done a really good job of making Safari really robust on the iPad and uh I, I think that's going to really make it a more viable solution for a lot of people looking to replace a traditional notebook. Yeah, I agree. I'm very happy with that, too. It's still got its quirks. But then again, it's a beta and I think it's going to get a lot better. Mm -hmm. But I was I was in uh, Google Sheets this morning in in my web browser, which was pretty great because there's some stuff you can do, like copying and pasting from the keyboard (laughs) that you can't do in the app, which is so sad. And yet that's where we are. Maybe it will spur Google to make better iPad apps, or maybe it will make Google give up on making iPad apps. I don't know. I can't decide which one that's going to be. It's hard to tell. Um, Another story I wanted to bring up before our break is... Uh, this Bill Gates video, he oh, uh, yeah. he spoke to a venture venture capital firm, and they posted the video, and uh, and he goes into some of the details of calling it what it is, which is like Microsoft had the opportunity to extend its PC uh, near monopoly to mobile and it missed, and it let Google in the door. And what he mm-hmm. says is. It's very tricky for platforms. These are winner-take-all markets. It really is winner-take-all. If you're there with half as many apps or 90% as many apps, you're on your way to complete doom. And then this phrase is amazing. There's room for exactly one non-Apple operating system. And what's that worth? $400 billion that could be transferred from company G to company M. Or in this Mm. case, company M to company G, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. He's just laying it out there, and it's not something that we we don't already know. Although the idea of one non-Apple operating system, when you think about it, is kind of hilarious because it's that's sort a of, f- very funny way of saying it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not wrong. Like, there's going to be mm. Apple's going to be over here with their thing, and they're going to have a very profitable business, and they're going to be yeah. doing fine. And then there's going to be this other thing that everybody else in the world uses um, the, on all sorts of hardware, and that was Windows, and that is Android, not right. controlled by Microsoft. And, you know, yeah. yeah, 
I find this story interesting from a couple of angles. The first one you just touched on, the sort of the OS story here, where Apple is really the only company that made the move from desktop to mobile, right? Microsoft failed, as Gates talks about here. Yep. And, and, and kind of like with refreshing honesty, I would say. I like kind of his remarks on this. Yeah, and he doesn't call out Steve Ballmer, who was running the show at this point. I mean, Bill Gates right. was the chairman and all of that, but like it, it, he, he takes a little more credit for like, we at Microsoft failed here. He's not trying to throw mm-hmm. Steve Ballmer under the bus, but sure. that that is, you know, he was his hand was on, on the wheel when this happened. Mm-hmm. Google, on the other hand, so Microsoft went from the desktop and never made the jump or hasn't made the jump yet. And Google was never on the desktop. They started mobile. Now, of course, they're playing with Chrome OS and stuff. But uh, Apple's the only one that is on both sides of that divide. And that's really interesting if you think about the history of it where Microsoft was so dominant in the 90s and Apple just had this little scrap of the market and they were able to claw back from that. And now they're on uh sort of, again, both sides of the divide. So I find that really interesting. And I don't think I've actually considered considered it from that angle before reading Gates' comments on it, that, that oh, yeah, Apple is unique in that, where they're, they're sort of in uh, both arenas. But the uh, the bit about it being a, um, a winner-take-all and sort of the antitrust thoughts around that, uh, I, found, I found that, from that angle, these remarks, pretty incredible. Yeah. In the current environment of uh, regulators and presidential candidates talking about these companies needing to be regulated. And Bill Gates is a smart guy. Every interview I watch with him, everything that I've read that he's written, he's incredibly smart and incredibly plugged in to what's going on. But he still sort of wanders into this regulation debate. I don't know if he meant to do it. I don't think he did. But it's like kind of amazing to say these things when we're talking about like maybe that's not the way the market should be. Maybe these things should be broken up into smaller pieces. Yeah, it is um, funny. Neele Patel wrote a nice piece at The Verge about this, which is funny because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't always, given his position of authority, kind of get out the the old blogging tools and do it. But mm-hmm. he wanted to to dive into this. And he makes some really good points about the idea that what Ben Thompson at Stratechery calls aggregation theory, the idea that this network effect means that if you win, it's winner take all. I mean, it's like really winner take all. And if you are close, but you don't make it, it's over. Like that is that is the end. And you end up with a system where you can't call it a monopoly because it's the it's this, you know, non-Apple operating system. So there, it, it is a duopoly where there is the very profitable, smaller market share Apple product, essentially. And if it weren't Apple, it might be somebody else, but it it's always mm-hmm. Apple. And then this larger thing where um, I think it's interesting because, you know, Android... Android's business model is very different from the Windows business model, and I think my, uh, Microsoft was far more enriched by the PC monopoly than um, Google is enriched by the Android near monopoly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, you had this case where the, the the structure of the market and the structure of of how all of these systems work leads to these platform winners. And the argument there is that you got to regulate. You've got to regulate because the the system will create a winner. And that winner will have complete dominance, and uh, you know you can't you can't let any company be that 
powerful because then they use their dominance there to extend it. And this is what slapped uh, got got Microsoft slapped on the wrists was using their dominance in Windows to try to extend it to other places. Right. But uh, you know the same is true for any company that that has a massive amount of power like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Patel has this great paragraph of like. Just ask anyone who's tried to switch away from iMessage or a YouTuber trying to leave YouTube. At a certain point, you're not just walking away from a product. You're walking away from millions of other people. And that is a, a huge aspect to this, uh, this argument about what the, the power these companies have over their markets. Yeah, the, the idea that you're... Uh... You know, you might have the most successful store in town, but the the landlord who owns all the buildings in the town, if you want, you know, you you got to pay them, or you've got to leave town. And if you leave town, nobody, none none of your customers are going to come with you, or <laughs> right. almost none of them, because they want to shop in town. And that is, you know, the every YouTuber knows this to be true. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. Bill Gates, smart guy. Uh, I will also point out, I want to give him credit. Uh, he is the one who, when he was running Microsoft and saw the rise of the internet and web browsers and, and websites and things like that, he changed Microsoft on a dime to embrace that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge moment. And he didn't miss it. They were a little behind, but they very rapidly caught up. And I, I would put that in contrast to what happened with the iPhone where, um, where you know Steve Ballmer dismissed it, and then and then that that was a missed moment when he could have said, "Oh no, this is what we need to do. We need to be like the iPhone." And uh, who knows what would have happened? But it is funny. I I remember back in the day talking to Michael Gartenberg back when he was his first run as a uh, mobile analyst before he went to Apple and then went back out. Um, and I remember him saying that he believed really strongly that the mobile industry would end up with three platforms, that there would not be the repeat of the PC industry. And that didn't happen. Like it really, the PC dynamic happened again, which is, I think, because of this network effect that you just, you end up with a winner and everybody wants to be with a winner and everything pushes in that direction. So, I mean, one of the running issues as we've been doing you know all 108 episodes of download has been this issue of rising sentiment toward regulation and also Mm -hmm. some bad behavior from tech giants big players that uh, make people say well who's going to stop them like the facebook example is obviously the best one where given the stock the stock structure nobody within the company uh, can stop mark zuckerberg from doing whatever he wants essentially even if all of his investors hate him and think that he's doing a bad job basically he controls the company and they can't stop him uh, and and you know even people who shy away from governments regulating businesses have to look at that and say well somebody needs to stop him right the, the, at some point it's the law that stops him that you can't do this it's against the law and that is regulators and governments saying facebook you can't do this you can't buy this company you can't breach this privacy and mm-hmm. that that's uh, i think that's one of the stories of our times is looking at these companies with all this power and and realizing that our laws that were dealt you know put in place for rail barons and oil magnates and things like that don't necessarily work for structures like these <laughs> yep it's a, almost as if we need officials who know what they're doing in this area oh, maybe ah, sure sure well, that, <laughs> that's a nice idea we could do that yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh 
All right. Uh, we should uh, move on uh, to other stuff. But uh, first, let me tell you about our sponsor. We have one sponsor this week. This episode of Download is brought to you by our friends at Smile and their product, Text Expander. Text Expander lets you insert words, phrases, forms, templates, and more with just a couple of clicks everywhere you type. And this means you can get control of your time and your productivity. If you find yourself answering the same email questions every day with the same phrases, you know what you should do is that should be a text expander snippet. And then you type a couple of letters and the whole answer comes out. And that uh, lets you get back to work and saves your fingers and saves your wrists and saves your brain from having to pull out these stock phrases. And we all have them. um, And you don't need to type them anymore text expander is available for mac os windows iphone ipad now on chrome as well making and editing snippets is even easier because they've got a new visual snippet editor and companies use text expander for teams for all sorts of things like customer support reports emails anywhere you need consistent and accurate text because those snippets can be shared across an organization so if your messaging changes if your response to a frequently asked question changes you can craft it you can get your best writer on your staff to craft craft the best new version of it and it syncs to everyone and then everybody's always on the same page which is really a great feature Um, if you already love text expander and like to tell people about it you can join their affiliate program earn a little something when people sign up and if you're like me and you're looking for ways to be a little more productive you need to use text expander get rid of those repetitive phrases and paragraphs you can take an entire paragraph make it two characters and you're done it is the best visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about text expander listeners of download will get 20 percent off their first year go to textexpander.com slash podcast now thank you to text expander from smile for supporting this show and all of relay fm now it's time for the story you might have missed something that may have flown under your radar but we think is worth mentioning and steven um, mm-hmm. is, is it true that when Earth is a burnt out cinder and humanity has been dead for billions of years, the only thing that will remain is WebOS? It's possible. It sure <laughs> seems that way. I, I brought a, a show and tell. I have my original Palm Pre here. You can hear the slider maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Nice. Nice. I love this phone. Uh, so WebOS, of course, was Palm's uh, reboot. And as we just talked about, apparently there's only room for two phone uh, operating systems and webOS was a, an early casualty of the smartphone wars uh, then you know palm went away LG bought webOS it's still called webOS but it's obviously drastically different you didn't mention HP HP was in there they made an oh, iPad yeah. they I'm literally made an that. iPad that ran webOS yeah. um, and I had one and the HP touchpad it was it was exactly an iPad it was just sort of a pl- uh, plasticky iPad knockoff mm-hmm. and webOS was good but it was too slow that was bottom line was just it was so slow as to be unusable even though the ideas were really great and the hardware was fine it was just you know they weren't it it was too it was a great idea that was a little bit too soon but uh and that means we'll never hear any more about web os except a funny thing happened (laughs) yeah so lg's put it on a bunch of tvs and i think people like it on tvs i don't have an lg tv but it seems like people generally like the interface but lg and the qt company lg and qt these companies just you know the more letters the merrier they have expanded a partnership to bring webos to additional devices including cars robots and other smart home products lg says the partnership will make it more efficient to port webos to these new types of devices like smart refrigerators 
all sorts of stuff. Uh, so WebOS, it uh, it's the little OS that just uh, keeps on keeps on trucking along. Yeah, I just I have this feeling that it, it, seriously there will be a robot probe mm-hmm. orbiting a far off planet that will be found by aliens and they'll they'll figure out what's going on and they'll run it and it'll be WebOS and they'll be like hmm, possible. We don't know anything more about who created it, but this is a an offer an operating system of some sort. Fascinating, and that'll be. That'll be it. It just it feels like WebOS just uh, keeps on going. You can't kill it. You can't stop it. That's okay. It's everywhere. It is. All right. Uh, our next topic here is uh, it's a big one. We're going to need a fuzzy puppy update at the end of it. Unfortunately, we do mm-hmm. have one. Uh, it's a big one. It's about us. And uh, and everybody is sitting forward in their chairs or in their cars or wherever they are. Um, this is the last episode of Download. I'm not going to beat around the bush about that. Uh, we are going to stop doing this podcast. And we first and foremost, I want to thank everybody who has listened to this podcast for 108 episodes or some fraction thereof. We really appreciate it. We have gotten a lot of great feedback about it. Uh, the truth is that uh, Stephen and I have both got a lot on our plates right now. And Stephen, you took on huge new responsibility at the beginning of the year when you became the co-host of Mac Power Users. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's it's that's that's been a big addition uh, to my work life, and and uh, you know, that that I figured at the beginning of the year that would mean certain things would have to go and. You and I have been talking about the future of the show. We're actually talking about the future of the show before that, trying new things that I'm sure listeners have noticed. If you've noticed how in 2019 we've tried all sorts of different variations in the format, we've really been trying to find a way to do this show in a way that is – because this show actually is an enormous amount of prep uh, in a way that I I would say my other shows are not – um, you know, Mac Power users, there's a lot of prep, but they're yes. having to having to go through the headlines every day. It's very similar to when we were doing Subnet, which was the daily headline show. You know, you are going through headlines every day. You're reading and having to do research on stories that are not in your core competency, and that's been good from a learning experience. But at the same time, uh, it's a lot of extra effort. And then if you don't put in the effort, when you end up feeling, at least I'm not going to speak for you, but for me, is here I am talking on a podcast about a subject that I only really know because I just read an article. And I'm not really comfortable with that either. I don't like that. So it's a choice between a huge amount of work uh, or uh, no work and not feeling good about the fact that I didn't do the work. And mm. it's just not it, – it, and with you having to go to Mac Power users and pick that up, which is a great thing, um, I, I ended up in the position where I was deciding, what do I want to do? Do I want to keep going? It's going to be a lot more work to do download. And the truth is, if this was a uh, – an enormous hit we would find a way to do it but it's it's fine it's a good audience size i'm not going to say anything bad about it it has gotten a listenership but the combination of the listenership and the um, much greater amount of uh, work that goes into it while we've got other things going on i think it all just kind of you know, we, we've spent the last six months trying to find a way to make it work at a level that would work for us. And I think the truth is, um, you know, we realized a couple months in that it wasn't going to work. Yeah, I think all that's fair. And uh, that doesn't mean you and I aren't going to be able to talk tech. No, um, that, that in fact, that's the other that was my other reason um, for thinking that uh, I, I would step away and not do this anymore is 
I have found myself over the last few months having a lot of conversations on podcasts where I have lost track of exactly where I said something about technology because I have multiple weekly general-ish tech podcasts. Mm-hmm. And and that's the other part of this is that it just feels like there's too many of them and I'm spread too thin that way. And I, I, um, and I want my focus on upgrade especially to be to be greater and um also i do the podcast with dan morin uh for six color subscribers and uh having another one where i'm either you know saying the same things or referring to my statements in previous podcasts i feel like it's a little bit too much but you and i not only do we do liftoff together where we talk about space stuff but Mm -hmm. it, it just feels like you know we will pop up here and there on one another's podcasts and a part of the whole relay fm uh, family of podcasts, and uh, I, I'm sure that will continue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in fact, one of the great pleasures of re of re jiggering download this year has been trying to do that segment up at the top where it's just you and me talking over some to, some tech headlines, and that's been fun. Um, and and I would say more tenable than uh, some of the other scenarios. But the other thing is um, the people that we have had on this podcast, and part of the premise of download has been the guests. And it, while it is a lot of work to book guests <laughs> every week, uh, it has been great to have the guests that we've had. And um, I wanted, to, before we went, I also wanted to thank them. Obviously, Lisa Schmeiser and Carolina Milanese, who are our top <laughs> frequent guests and are mm-hmm. fantastic. And I hope that we will hear more from them in podcasts in the future. But also Flow Ion. Uh, Shelly Brisbane, Natalie Jarvie, Megan Maroney, Devendra Hardawar, uh, Shahid Kamal Ahmad, uh, Micah Sargent, Christina Warren, uh, Michael Gartenberg, who I mentioned earlier, Andy Anatko, and the list goes on. That, those are sort of some people who've been on five or six and up times. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of voices you haven't heard before on Relay, some of whom came became Relay hosts after they were mm-hmm. on this show and other people who are doing stuff out there in podcasts or will be in the future that I think are worth listening to. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, that, that part of it, I feel like we did what we intended to do, which was get some, a lot of interesting people and have conversations with them. And, uh, although we are just not capable of doing that going forward, I'm, I'm really uh, happy of all the people that we've been able to talk to over the last couple of years. That's really, when I look back on this project, that's what I'm the most pleased with, that we had a broad, diverse set of guest panelists. And a bunch of those people, uh, you know, we've spoken to multiple times with on and off the air, and hopefully some of them will continue to be on Relay. I'd love for all those people to have shows on the network. Yeah. Uh, and that that is what I, I will miss the most is is getting to, to talk to some really smart people in different in parts of our industry about the news at hand, and I'm gonna I'm gonna need to get uh, Natalie Jarvie on as a guest on Upgrade every now and then to talk about yes. uh, tech oh, yeah. media for Upstream because she's uh, mm-hmm. she's great at that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's sad we're not going to be in your in your podcast box next week or thereafter. But um, before we go, we will try to cheer you up with a fuzzy puppy update. I will say something about the fuzzy puppy update. It is. A fun idea, and I'm glad we've kept doing it. I do think it speaks to another thing about doing the show for the last two years that you and I didn't uh, anticipate, which is um, just how grim some of the tech news yeah. got 
And, uh, you know, the truth is that is part of it, too, is I like how I can focus on some of the areas of the tech industry that I think are fun and good for humanity. And this show, in a good way, but also in a really demoralizing way, has forced me to focus on aspects of the tech industry that are unpleasant and bad for humanity every single week. So much so that we had to create a whole segment to cheer us up, which was the Fuzzy Puppy update. And, you know, I'm aware of those issues, but it's one of those things where in my career, I can, I have a little bit of the ability to choose my areas that I like to cover. And I've always chosen the areas that are sort of like cool new stuff. And isn't this interesting new products Mm -hmm. and not, oh, here's a social media network that is destroying humanity. (laughs) Like, mm, yeah. Anyway, what I'm saying is a recently adopted puppy (laughs) disappeared during a car crash in Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, the, the driver of the car rolled his SUV on Route 66, historic Route 66 in Flagstaff, and had to be airlifted to a hospital in Phoenix. They didn't, nobody saw the dog. They were on a cross-country trip. The dog was out of the car. Nobody knew where the dog was. Um, and they, uh, airlifted him to the hospital. So it turns out, uh, two weeks later, they found, uh, the dog in the mountains in Arizona. So it had been in the mountains for 13 days and then they found it and a humane animal rescue and tapping trapping team found the, uh, the puppy and got it and they have reunited it with its owner in oh, Southern good. California. And see, it turns the, the thing about the fuzzy puppy updates is not just that they're f- cute, nice stories, but that they often start dark and show you that there's a great outcome. Which is uh, yes. one of the things that's good about Fuzzy Puppy Update. Yes, that's. I'm glad everyone is okay and back together. That's right. And Stephen, that is the last Fuzzy Puppy Update until we launch our new podcast, Fuzzy Puppy Update. No, it's not. <laughs> Relay. I'm, I'm just setting up Relay.fm <laughs> slash puppy. Puppy. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, thank you again to everybody out there who has listened, downloaded, and commented, and tweeted at us, and sent in Fuzzy Puppy stories and all of that. We think you're great. We really appreciate you listening to this podcast. Uh, we wish we could keep doing it, but we we really can't. And that's the bottom line here. We have to move on. And so thank you, uh, Stephen. Thank you for being a part of this for most of the last 108 weeks. You and I came up with this idea a couple of summers ago, and uh, it has been fun to talk to you about this stuff. And I will miss it. Uh, but at the same time, it's time to move on. I feel... I feel the same way. I've, I've enjoyed this time together and uh, enjoyed our time with our listeners talking about the news every week. Yeah. So thanks to everybody one last time and uh, keep watching the headlines because we won't be. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.